Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey guys, it's Johnny, and welcome to episode 123 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with my very good friend, Chris Lil. Hey guys, how are you doing? Yeah, good. So the last time me and Chris hung out was in Chiang Mai. Uh, if you guys want to listen to episode 76, we talked about the perfect plan on moving to Chiang Mai, how kind of Chris moved from Orange County, quit his job, uh, started his online income, and then moved to Chiang Mai after kind of everything was set, kind of the opposite of what I did, which was kind of just go. (laughs) Uh, Where have you been since I last saw you in Chiang Mai? Um, I went back to the States in California for a few weeks, Uh, spent a few weeks in Vegas, went to Medellin and Bogota, Colombia for a few months. Uh, After that, I went to Spain, Holland, Sweden, and then I came here and met you in Poland. Okay, so let, let's briefly talk about all those things. Um, first off, biggest difference between Chiang Mai and Colombia? Uh, really, the Spanish prices, I got to say, are pretty similar, except for the fact that you can't get cheap $1 Thai food everywhere. But as far as rent goes, it's going to be pretty similar. Um, food prices, pretty similar for Western food. Alcohol is going to be much cheaper in Colombia and other stuff that you probably can't do in Thailand. <laughs> so if you have a cocaine habit, Colombia is probably better than Chiang Mai where it's super illegal to do any drugs. Uh, so from what I've heard as well, uh, Colombia has a good nomad scene, but it's it's almost all, all guys. Um, there are very few female nomads there, uh, very few single female travelers. So really Colombia is like a place where if you're a single guy and you want to go party and, and drink and, and do crazy stuff, that Columbia is for you, but it, but not re- really recommended for single single women. I'd say if you're a single female traveler, it'd be a little bit more difficult. Not that it's unsafe by any stretch, or maybe a little bit, but you're gonna have more fun in another place, I would guess. And, and there's, I mean, like you you didn't meet that many like just female nomads traveling by themselves there, right? Uh no, maybe one or two. Okay. So, uh, Columbia, I I still want to go. I just want to check it out. It's not. I don't think it's really for me to to live in unless i wanted to really learn spanish and you know party my ass off but i think Chiang Mai is still a little bit more laid back for me but there is a benefit of you being on the u.s time zone right yeah it's basically on a central time zone so it's not even new york time um just two hours past la which is where we're from so it's actually really perfect if you have to have a if you have to work on a u.s time zone it's perfect so europe is kind of good for that because we're closer so if you need to make a call you can call the u.s you know uh, i think between 4 p.m and midnight or something like that or 6 p.m and midnight here or something like that the bad thing is you end up working a lot at night instead of going to dinner hanging out going out right yeah yeah it's the working at night that kills me because you know everybody always wants to hang out right around seven o'clock you want to go out and have drinks have dinner with friends maybe go to the gym or something like that but you're stuck by yourself working or I don't know, we don't work in co-working spaces here, but you know, it's, that's the one sticking point to me. It's much better than Asia, 
But it's also taught me that I have to have a VA if I was ever going to do this again, because I won't do this without a VA going forward. Yeah, so technically it is better because if you have to call or you have to be on call, you can still do it during like normal waking hours. The good thing about Chiang Mai is it forces you not to work during normal hours because the time zone is the time difference is so bad that if you had to rely on that you'd be awake from midnight to 4 a.m which nobody's willing to do uh especially not more than once or twice so it forces like it forced me to create my 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 businesses to be either completely automated or completely hands-off with a va like from day one because you know, the first month I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. You know, I'll, I'll wake up at 4 a.m. To, to answer a customer service call because I, I was excited and I wanted the business. But immediately after that, I was like, I can't do this. I have to hire someone. Do you think that because you were in a U.S. time zone that you kind of put it off uh, and you weren't at, it, it wasn't as nece- necess- you know, necessary to hire a customer service person or a VA? Yeah, I'm, I'm like a huge control freak and I, I'm like – firmly believe that saying uh, if you want it done right you got to do it yourself so it did force me to put it off for a long time it's been like six months now probably and back in january is when i should have hired one but again i put it off until now and it's just kicking my ass now okay so in this episode i want to give you guys a ton of travel tips about you know how to you know, like what SIM cards get, how to save money while traveling. Um, but I think I'm going to leave that to the end because Chris might actually have to take off and, and go back and do some work. Um, but I did want to talk about, you know, all the different countries that Chris just mentioned as well as the ones I've been to recently. Uh, but before we even kind of go to that, let's talk about where you were, I guess, in episode 76 when you had just not really quit your job, but you were, you were, was it, you were laid off from the job, which forced you to... To not, I mean, I guess it unfortunate, but give you the excuse because you're already making money with it, right? Like you already had, like, what was your dropshipping income then, and what is your dropshipping income now? Um, I don't remember quite what it was back then, but it was always a few hundred dollars a month. Just nothing, I nothing you would really care about if you had like a full time corporate job. But since since then, my revenues probably quadrupled since I quit to focus on it full time. But it was like in the beginning, it was like a full ten hours a day every day. I'm still doing that now sometimes to grow and scale other stuff but overall are you happier being able to to work you know let's say let's say you're working eight or ten hours a day right like let's say you're working a full day and i and i and i see you you know coming home from after we do a walking tours and you're up you know just working hard all right yeah. but is that still better than having to go into an eight to five corporate job oh it's a hundred times better because i i feel like i'm in control of my destiny and every I know, I know that every minute that I put behind a laptop pays, pays off eventually. Whereas when I'm sitting behind a desk grinding for somebody else, you know, I don't know what can happen. And plus, you know, I'm, I'm in Poland right now. <laughs> you know, we're trying to figure out where to eat lunch is my biggest dilemma. So it's funny that like we get so content, I guess, where, where we are now. We kind of forget what, how bad it was before. And then we're always kind of looking for the next step, right? Like, so for example, like you were kind of complaining that I'm not doing much work yeah when when, <laughs> when when i look over to you I, I see you just surfing facebook or playing hearthstone and i'm just like this fucking guy you know it's, it kills me but then I, I i really always have to catch myself and take a step back and remember like hey what i'm doing is pretty awesome you know we, we took like a three-hour train ride across poland just to see another city just for just for the hell of it really and I, and I and I'm there complaining about one or two emails I gotta answer when really that should 
this business model is supposed to be VA'd from the beginning anyway. So it's technically my fault. And I think it just, you know, I got to take a step back and remember how lucky I actually am to be able to do this. And I've been trying to like knock you over the head for months. Now. All right. So first, how long did it take me to convince you to do some kind of online income or start a job shipping store? And how long did it take you to actually do it? Uh, well, I posted that thing on your on your wall for your birthday. I I didn't even realize it was August 2013, and I finally left my job in in almost two years later in September 2015. Then I came to Chiang Mai that following year. What was on that that email? I'll I'll post that screenshot on the show notes of this. Go to travellikeabosspodcast.com episode one two three. But from the top of your head, what did that message say? Oh, it was funny. I don't know word for word, but it was something like, Chris, I found something new that'll make you quit your job and live and work wherever the fuck you want. Like, quote unquote, right there for that part. <laughs> and how long did it take you to actually start, you know, start a job shipping store? How long did it take you to actually, like, I mean, because you said it was a two-year process, right? But were you actually working on it or were you kind of just putting it off for two years? Uh, well, we started the store right on my birthday, if you remember. Uh, August 31st and then I just slowly worked on it after work whenever I had spare time I think it took me like three or four months to actually start running ads to it so not that long but I didn't I didn't put any focused effort into it and you know if you don't focus you always get half-assed results for everything you do so well I mean you also you also had a full-time job at the time so it's kind of something you do on the side right correct correct I was only doing it on the side maybe a few hours a week or two hours one or two hours every night so it was kind of like a side, I don't want to say hobby, but like a side project that you're working on. You were making a couple hundred bucks a month profit from it. And then when you got laid off, you, you, you were like, was it a decision if you were like, okay, should I get another job or should I just scale this up? Uh, no, well, it wasn't technically a layoff. It was like a mutual agreement to walk away or something where they would lay me off and I could collect and I would get my, my three months pay for it or something like that. But no, at the time I was already pretty set because I I knew it could make it. I knew I could make it work because I was already making money from it. And I knew I could scale it because I saw what you and others were doing online. So I just really confident in what I was doing. I wish I had done it earlier. It's okay. There's a lot of things we, we wish we'd have done yeah, earlier. Yeah. Uh, I remember sending you an ebook in I forgot what year it was. Maybe 2009 or something. Uh, do you remember what that was? Yeah, it was called the Info Millionaire. <laughs> it was basically an ad sent uh, a ClickBank to AdSense, um, I don't know, model? I don't know what you would call it, but it was just basically advertising ClickBank products on AdWords at the time, which was either free or pennies for clicks. I remember sending you that, that email saying, hey, check this out. I heard, you know, this is, I heard this works. I'm not gonna do it because I don't, I'm not very computer savvy. Because at the time I had like no computer knowledge at all. And I didn't have the confidence of being able to like you know do a course, read a book, and then figure it out and just do it myself because I never met anyone who's done it. I was just like, oh, you know, Chris knows computers. Maybe maybe he'll be good at this. And what did you what did you do with that? God, I did nothing with it. it it's so disappointing when I look back because I think that I think if there was anything that was such thing as free money online, that was probably free money. I almost think that like people don't look back things that we're doing now, you know, either drop shipping or FBA or, you know, definitely like things like Teespring or the things that like, you know, right now, you know, seemed like, oh, I don't know if we should do it. Like five years from now, we're going to look back thinking like, man, that was so easy compared to what, what things are now. Like, uh, for example, 
ad prices. If you go on Google AdWords now and you want to bid for something like, let's say, an exercise course or something, you're probably spending like $3 a click for advertising. And back then, when I sent Chris that book, it was like three cents or I think AdWords, when they started, it was free just because they wanted to attract customers. They wanted to like get people to start using the platform. So it was like pennies because nobody else was bidding for it. And even then, I had my doubts. I was like, you know, and, and, and I don't blame you because I didn't do it either. So I'm an idiot because we, and it's almost sounded too good to be true. We were like, oh, you know, info millionaires, you know, Google AdSense. Oh, this, this isn't real. Yeah, it sounded too corny. And I was like, oh, God, leave it alone. But, you know, I remember when you showed me drop shipping the first time. Um, and we were talking about it. I, I think AdWords or Google product listing ads, it's Google shopping today, I think was free at the time. And then they just, right when we started, they just started implementing, uh, what was it paid? And it was still pennies at the time. But I think I remember waiting and waiting and waiting. And as soon as I was like full scale, like the bids had already gone up from like 10 cents to 50 cents. And now like some of those clicks are a dollar for some of the bigger ticket items. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, yes, you have to jump in early, uh, but at the same time, things still work. And you always, if you, as long as you're doing it, you'll always find another way to advertise. Like, for example, with one of my stores right now, I'm still, I'm paying, you know, close to a dollar per click, but it's still profitable because we're selling, you know, we just started selling higher pro, um, profit items. But there's things like Bing ads, which I just refuse to do because I'm too lazy to set it up. But I guarantee you, it's one of those things where it's like pennies compared to, to AdWords, and we just don't do it because it's new, different. Uh, it's not like what everyone else is doing. Yeah, I, I, I think that's going on on Facebook right now too, right? Where clicks are pretty decently cheap compared to what we pay on Google. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, so c- can I ask how much you're making from your dropshipping stores now? Um, well, it varies. This week was really slow, as I told you, but it's always somewhere between three to five thousand dollars. So that is a full-time living for someone because if you kind of translate that into you know salary terms per year that's you know like fifty thousand dollars a year which is a good job yeah yeah and you're able to do this while living in cheap places like chiang mai or Colombia, or now we're in poland yeah so yeah i again i wouldn't i wouldn't trade it for my corporate job anymore now this is the advice i give chris i'm gonna hold him accountable on the show for it I told him, Chris, you need to hire a freaking VA and free yourself from doing the day-to-day tasks because he is still fulfilling his own orders, doing all his own customer service, dealing with shipping, emails, phone calls. And I told him, I was like, I know it's a pain in the butt to hire someone and train someone, but I guarantee you once you have it, you'll free up so much time and you it'll allow you to either scale up the profits or the revenues, you know, add a new traffic channel, create another store, or find another way of creating passive income to add on top of this. So it'll end up paying for itself. Yeah, I know. Um, even with, with my low volume this week, I've, it's, been, it's freed my time to work on other projects and I'm already getting so much more done. If I just never had to look at that customer service angle of it again, I know I could just keep scaling and scaling and scaling. So the, the best thing I ever did was hire my my guy to pick up my phone calls in the US for my stores and then hire a VA to do all the accounting and then now having Anthony edit all the podcasts um, do all the show notes and all that stuff and it's, it's completely free my time like it's it's one of those things where I worked I worked my butt off for a few months at a time to create something and then I automate it and 
right now, I'm, I'm, Chris can kind of attest or complain that I literally have zero responsibilities. Yeah, it's quite incredible. Um, uh, from the time he wakes up, I can see him just well, just messing around, I th- as far as I can tell. And I, I got to look at emails to get back to the correspondence I missed from sleeping, quote unquote, early. Every night that I have to open my laptop, Johnny kind of goes out and wanders on his own or goes get dinner. I don't know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> Going to pub crawls and I have to sit there and work. So it's like really eating me up. I'll get the VA. Stop looking at me. <laughs> okay, you guys heard it here on episode one, two, three, that Chris is going to have a VA by the time he's on the show next. Uh, so let's talk about a little bit about where we travel to. So I went to Brussels in uh, Belgium. I don't know. So, so after the last episode, I guess I was in Portugal, which I really loved. Then I went to Brussels just on kind of stopover on my way to Berlin. Brussels, if you guys haven't been there, it's kind of one of those places where people kind of joke that it's no one ever goes to, to Brussels or Belgium on purpose. They always go on a stopover and they're like, oh, I might as well check it out. And when you're there, they have really good chocolates, the Belgian chocolates, really good beer because Belgian beer is amazing. And not that much else to do. Uh, I would say the the one thing about Brussels that is kind of the most intriguing is this is the most like mixed, like ethnically mixed place I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it is the headquarters of the EU, and they it is like the future. So if you want to know what the world would be like if every single country had people from everyone in the world, so from like Africa, Middle East. I guess a little bit of Asia, uh, and then the Fre- like they have French people, they have Dutch people, they have pretty much in Brussels. You look around and you're like, this is like some weird utopian future where it's not any one culture. It, like it is so not even mixed because it's not like they're integrating. It's everyone is just like you're just there and you're like, this is a scene out of Star Wars or something. I didn't hear you mention Asian people. Do they have Asian people in Brussels? I guess they have some, not not that many, but like it's, you'll see like, yeah, you'll see Asian people as well. Uh, And here's the thing is like, nobody is kind of integrating and saying, okay, let's all become um, Belgian, you know, let's, you know, everyone's like, okay, we're going to have, we're going to do exactly what we're going to do back in our home country. Uh, We're going to speak our, you know, I guess they, I guess they will kind of speak French as well because that's the, the national language there. But it is like you go there and you're like, this does not look like Belgium at all. This is not what I expected from Belgium. I'm sure if I went to the countryside, it would be more like that. But when you're in Brussels, you're like, what country am I in? This is just like some weird, uh, it's like you're in an airport. God, I guess I got to go over there on a stopover to experience what that. that's like. So there was a travel blogger. She got in a lot of trouble because she wrote that she hated Norway. Uh, she hated Oslo because she went there and she didn't see any Norwegian people. All she saw were Middle Eastern people. And people ripped her apart saying, you're racist, you're, um, you know, you're close-minded. And I think whether, you know, you agree, you know, with her or not, uh, you know, I'm assuming most people, especially, you know, I, I think 100% of people are going to be like, she's wrong for, for saying that. But at the same time, if you really kind of just play devil's advocate, I see her. I kind of see her point. I'm like, you know what? If I went to to Oslo, I'd I, I would want to see Norwegian culture. I'd want to see, I you know, like the stereo. I don't want to say stereotypical, but I want to see like Norwegian people. I'd want to hear people speaking Norwegian. I'd want to eat Norwegian food. That's the reason why we we travel. And it was was it a little bit like that in Sweden as well? Um, probably not to much, not as much to that extent. 
but Sweden was much more diverse than I would have expected. I would, I thought I would see like seven foot tall Viking bearded people there, but it wasn't too much like that. It was pretty mixed. I mean, part of it is just because it's a you know they're big cities, but I mean it's weird because I am you know a child of of immigrants, right? And so I, I I'm a big believer that in immigration, I think this is how the world expands, we grow, you know, we, we bring knowledge, and the world kind of becomes a better place. But at the same time, I think one of the biggest flaws of my parents' generation is none of them even bothered to learn English. <laughs> Like my parents, to, still today, it's been, you know, 35 years they've been living in the U.S. and they, you know, they barely speak English, and that is that is completely their fault. You know, they could have easily done it. You know, they've had 35 years to learn, uh, and one of the reasons why they don't learn is because they only watch, you know, ch- you know Chinese Taiwanese TV shows. They only go to you know Chinese supermarkets. They only hang out with other Chinese people, and I don't think that's actually good for for the countries that we immigrate to, so whether it's America or Canada or, or other places. I think with the Chinese culture, it was the saving grace is that our generation, so our ki- the kids of the immigrants, we're very, um, you know, we're very American, we're very Canadian, as in we keep the good parts of the culture, you know, so we keep some of the, you know, some of the, you know, the, the, nice, the nice parts of it, um, you know, respect for elders, some, some of the traditions, the food, you know, some, some of the cool things. But at the same time, we're like, okay, let's integrate into American culture or Canadian culture and let's make the place a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I honestly don't give a shit about immigration too. As long as you integrate, I, I really don't care who you are or where you're from. You know, like, I haven't been to Brussels, obviously, but if you say it's like that, then I'm, I'd be kind of like, oh, this is kind of shitty. And the thing is, like, I think the the biggest, you know, I think the reason why people are, are a little bit upset with immigration and there's such a big talk about it now is the fact that a lot of people from other cultures, you know, come to, you know, a city and they don't want to integrate at all. They're like, you know what, I, I want to keep my, I want to keep my, my language, my dress, my religion. I want us to be completely separate. Uh, and I want to act exactly the way I do did in my home country in this new country. And I think that's what is causing all the controversy. Yeah, probably. I'd, I'd I'd probably agree with that as well. Um, like when we come here, we're not we're not acting like loud, obnoxious Americans talking about this is how we do it where I'm from, and you know, and and trying to force whatever uh, cultural stuff on you know the Polish people or the or the French or whatever the hell. Yeah, I agree. So one big tip I'll give everyone is when you guys travel to Europe, don't just go to the major capitals and cities because you're probably not going to experience that country's culture uh, the, the way they way you expect it. Make sure you at least go to, you know, one of the smaller cities uh, or like we do, we might go to one of the villages. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's kind of where you're going to see all these things. Um, so while we're here in Warsaw, I mean, sorry, we're in Krakow right now. What, what, do you, what do you think of Poland as a whole and how do you like Warsaw or Krakow? I like Poland as a whole in general. Uh, people are super nice. There's prevalent English everywhere, so you're not going to get in a, too much trouble if you can't speak Polish. Uh, prices are really good. Internet's good. Infrastructure here is really good. They have Uber. But I, oh, we, we bicycle everywhere because there's free, bi- well, not free, but cheap bicycle rentals. If you have it for less than 20 minutes, it's basically a free tra- way of transportation. Um, rent super cheap. Yeah, I, I like it. I love it as well. I actually did not expect to like Poland as much uh, 
as they did. Actually, me and Chris were both kind of joking. I mean, you know, we, we knew it was, it was a joke, right? We were just kind of messing with our friends. Shout out to Christian and Martha that we met in, in Chiang Mai. They're Polish. And we would joke that Poland would be what? Uh, we thought there would be like wild animals on the streets. Um, their cell phones wouldn't work or they, they, they had like the big Zach Morris cell phones here. Um, God, what else? Just, just poverty stricken, but it really wasn't like, oh, we, we said it was war torn and you know, it was kind of cool. We took a world war two tour and then in Warsaw and there were still bullet holes in some of those buildings. I didn't know the place was leveled to the ground during the war, but you know, like half jokingly, all that other stuff is funny. We were pleasantly surprised at how nice it really was. As soon as both Chris and I uh, stepped off of, I stopped, I, I took a night train from Berlin uh, and Chris took a flight from Sweden, uh, which ironically also went through Berlin. <laughs> but as soon as he got to the airport and as soon as I got to the train station, we messaged each other saying, hey, there's free Wi-Fi <laughs> at the train station at the airport and this place is really nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, right when I stepped off of the plane out of the, what do you call that thing? The... Uh, whatever the gate my phone immediately connected to wi-fi i was like oh thank god i can call johnny now at least but i was like super surprised warsaw and i guess krakow as well is beautiful infrastructure is good things like um wi-fi are here are excellent i got a prepaid uh sim card for five dollars that gave me nine gigabytes of 4g lt and it's so reliable so fast it's probably better than any country i've been to yeah, I think that I think the the five dollar I think it's the cheapest I've seen of any country I've been to as well for nine gigs. Well, they had a th- they had a three gig version for three dollars or something like that. And I was like, uh, I'll pay two bucks more and just not, never even like think about it. Yeah, I think we said that we gotta teach the Polish people economics. <laughs> okay, so there's a lot of little funny things about Poland um, that you know if you you know if you wanted to just joke around and, and be stereotypical, uh, so. If you order vada, it's actually vodka. No, no. So vodka and vada are the words for vodka, water and vodka. So it's very easy to mix up. And they are the exact same price. Yeah, that's super crazy to me. You can get drunk here for $7 or you can buy a, like seven bottles of water for the same price. So weird. So we were ordering like shots of vodka and then I would get like a soda water as a mixer and then the bill would be three times the price as it when we were just drinking uh, shots and we were like, and then we were just joking like, oh man, it's a freaking water again. Yeah. What's up with that? The, the tap here is clean too. I don't know why they're charging us more for vod- for water than vodka. So my one of my biggest complaints about Europe and I guess about the US now too is people drink uh, bottled water everywhere. Every restaurant, like they... Even though the water is perfectly drinkable, the tap water is perfectly drinkable, they just will not serve it to you because first, I guess it's kind of their their culture now, but it's one of those things, it's one of those culture things where I, I think it's okay for us to kind of go against, you know, I think most culture things, you know, you're like, okay, this is the culture of the country, we should just go, go with it. But the thing about not drinking tap water is stupid because it wastes so much plastic. Restaurants do it because they want to make extra money, but I really believe that they should just make more money through through the food or through like a no anything else, right? Like it's it's stupid for them to waste all this, you know, all these emissions transporting uh, you know plastic bottles 
from one city to another. So, you know, you have the, the trucks and the car emissions. Then you have the plastic bottles itself. Even if you're going to recycle it, it takes so much, you know, effort and and resources when you could just drink the water. And the water is fine. Yeah, I've been making it a point to drink tap water in every single country I go to. Still no problems yet. Yeah. And I, so I carry a Nalgene bottle. I refill it. And I've actually been yelled at in Berlin at a pizza place for having my own bottle of water. Yeah, that's ridiculous. We, we've been trying to ask for a bo- or, or just a regular plain glass of tap water everywhere here. And we just can't seem to get it for some reason. Yeah, they, they just won't give it to you. So I just started carrying my own bottle. Uh, this is me going against the system <laughs> to try to help the environment a bit. Um, the other things I don't like about Berlin, I actually, I, I really wanted to like Berlin as a nomad hotspot. But the internet surprisingly sucks for a big city. And the prepaid uh, data is so expensive. I think it was 750 megabytes for 15 or 15 euros. And that was like the, the best or the cheapest I can get, which is, you know, insane compared to what you can get in Portugal or in, uh, in Poland or even in even Thailand or even, uh, I guess, even in the U.S. Yeah, I was going to say that's on par with the U.S. prices, isn't it? For like 17 bucks for a gig. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about it is... A lot of people, I think they just accept it. They're like, oh, that, that's just the way it is. No, that's not the way it is. Like, it, it doesn't cost these companies any more money in Berlin to supply data than does in Poland, right? It's just a, a market. And people, this is the, the beauty of being a digital nomad is we can go wherever we want. We can go where there's the best value, where we're treated well, you know, where we're, we're welcome, where we're safe. And... The fact that people just kind of stand up for whatever city they they happen to have you know had grown up in or, or born in or they just happen to like to me is ridiculous you know because the whole point of being a digital nomad is to be able to move where we want you know and look for that perfect place and I don't know if the perfect place actually exists but I think that's kind of our our duty is to try to you know is try to support and spend our money in places that want us that treat us fairly and don't rip us off yeah yeah i feel the same way Uh, i think i've been to six countries in the last year now and every time i every every time i go somebody every time i go somewhere i'm like oh i I found home again i I just don't know if i could i guess i couldn't integrate back into california lifestyle because it's just such a ripoff everywhere i go yeah and the thing is like there's no reason why thai food should cost 15 dollars per dish in San Francisco, when I can get that exact same dish for a dollar fifty in the U.S. I mean, in, in Chiang Mai, in Thailand, and a lot of these things, people are like, "Oh, well, that's just the way it is." Like, no, that's not the, the way it is. It's like people are, are wasting money on, I don't, uh, I don't know, like government spending or somebody. Somebody is pocketing that money. Like, it's not just magically more expensive. It's like somebody is pocketing that money. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um... I don't know what to do or say about it, but... And it's not even the restaurant owner. Like, if the restaurant owner was the one, like, you know, profiting from it, I'd be okay with that. That's capitalism, right? But that restaurant owner in San Francisco, he's paying so much for rent uh, or taxes or, you know, the new, like, wage increases or the new, like, mandatory health taxes and things like that. These are all things that... That's why things are so expensive. Uh, I, I guess you can argue that it's good to have you know, th- these protections, you know, for for workers. But it's one of those things where, like, there are a lot of countries that people are happy, people are healthy, and lunch does not cost $15. $15 an hour minimum wage is coming to California. Yeah, and it's ridiculous because 
people are not going to have more money to spend. If It just does not work economically. And I think this is the mentality that I used to have when I was broke. I, want, I, I felt like if I can get a ha- handout or be entitled to $15 an hour, then my life would be better. And I was like, yeah, F those, you know, those bosses, those corporate, you know, leaders, uh, you know, pay me more, pay me more. Right. But in reality, it doesn't, life doesn't work that way. Like we earn what we deserve. And if you can only find a minimum wage job, that means that you have the minimum like set of qualifications or minimum ability to, to be a good worker. And that is what you, what you earn. I really truly believe that every single person can better themselves, can, you know, can work harder, work smarter, improve themselves and never have to sell for minimum wage and never feel like the only way to get ahead is for the government to force a higher minimum wage. Capitalists of the core. Yeah, I, I agree though. Uh, minimum wage isn't set isn't supposed isn't designed to support a family or or whatever you know it's supposed to be your stepping stone to the work to the workforce and the thing is you know like so even me in college i always had two jobs so i had two minimum wage jobs and then that is how i how i got by and by doing that i knew this isn't something i want to do for the rest of my life i don't want to just i don't want to make enough for my minimum wage job to support myself and and have two kids and you know and just settle for that I think if anything, that would have made me more lazy. You know, I'd want to you know, have it be so hard to, to live off of it and, just, you know, I'd have to stay living with my parents or I'd have to have four roommates like I did in college. You know, I'd split a tiny room and then have that be the fire to be like, okay, I can't afford my own place making minimum wage, so what do I have to do? You know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hustle and I'm going to live ch- as cheap as possible for a few years while I gain the skills, while I start a business or while uh, I get a better job so I'm not making minimum wage. Yeah, that sounds like it's the most you've ever worked is when you worked minimum wage compared to what I see today. Yeah, and the thing is, I, it, I think the reason why I'm, I'm, I could talk about this is because I've been through that. I've had you know, jobs paying me four seventy five an hour. I've, ha- I've had it where I've had two or three jobs at the same time where I was working at an electronics store during the day, going to school in the afternoon, and then running valet parking at night and, you know, and just you know, getting one or $2 tips. So... You know, and then working my butt off when I was in Thailand, uh, you know, as a dive instructor or doing Muay Thai and bar- barely just getting by, having no money. Now, and I used to always be the type to look for that the free money or the the good deal, or the shortcuts. And now, finally, when I realized, okay, you have to work hard, you have to add value in the world, and then then you can earn a break. I think that is why I'm so content right now, and I'm able to kind of think differently and then this is what you know the kind of what i want to drill into everyone's head is to that every single person can create a business go through the stepping stone of what chris is doing now what i did for, for two or three years is work your butt off of your own business create it and then the next step after that would be to make it completely passive yeah i think we talked about it. you got to cut your teeth and ju- just starting going from zero to one is so hard so just starting is hard enough but and i think last night we were talking about everyone eventually finds success if they just keep going, right? You just, you have to start and just don't stop and eventually you'll get there. And that sounds so much harder than it really is. But I really, really believe that every single person, as long as you never stop, 
even if it takes you twice or three times as long as someone else who might be luckier than you, smarter than you, more fortunate than you, you know, could have a different situation than you, picked a different niche than you, whatever it is, I firmly, firmly believe that every single person can be successful if you, as long as you never stop. You, you'll figure out a way, you'll, find, you'll get through it, and it'll be worth it then. And, and, and Chris, I, I, know, I know you can you know, you could test that. It's worth it then, right? Oh, it's definitely mm-hmm. worth it. Just keep going. It's hard, but you know that 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 mental fortitude that you need to keep going, even when it looks shitty, is tough. But it's worth it. I like it. So, Chris, thanks so much for taking some time out on your busy schedule. Um, me and Chris are actually going to go get some Polish food right now, and then I'm going to give you guys all my travel tips on what SIM cards uh, I use while traveling, which bank accounts I use, what credit cards, how to avoid ATM fees, all this stuff. So stay tuned. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> all right. So we just got back from lunch. It was actually the number one rated restaurant in, on TripAdvisor in in Crack Hall. You, you want to tell us about it? That was excellent. We had a, a complimentary pate, pork pate thing as a pre-appetizer, and then like a steak salad and ribs. Yeah, it was like a braised, uh, like a like a braised ribs. The it was it was amazing. It was like some one of the best meals I've had, and in total, and this was a, like off the dinner menu. We're stuffed. Chris Chris actually came back, had a piece of chocolate, and laid in his boy, his bed with one hand in the air so that the chocolate wouldn't get everywhere. And he just like he said, "Let me just give me a minute." <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the itis got to me. Uh, well, do you remember what that restaurant was called? No, I only bookmarked it. As oh, it is. I got it. Okay, all right, sorry. It's the number. It's the number th- three, the third best restaurant in um in Krakow. Ironically, the first one is a sushi place, and the second best one is Italian pizza. But the third best is called Intro Lectornia Samaku Restaurant, and it's Polish Eastern European food. And our bill, the tax and tip. Included was twenty seven dollars for both of us. Yeah, incredible! Great meal for ten dollars each or twelve dollars each. Well, so we were just talking about how when we go back to places like California, really anywhere in the U.S., it just frustrates us to be you know to go to a, like a restaurant and spend fifteen dollars on crappy Thai food, and your bill ends up being like twenty twenty five dollars after tax and tip. And it's just like, you don't get the value. And the thing is, the restaurant we went to just now is as good or better than the top restaurants we've been to in LA or San Francisco or, or New York. And there, this bill would have been $100. And it's it's just one of those things where we're like, why, like, why would you do that? Like, why not just spend that money on a plane ticket and be able to come to a beautiful place like Krakow, Warsaw, where you see you know, these old, you know, castles and buildings and you can just wander in the streets and it's some of the most beautiful things you've ever seen. And then you can have a meal that is just as good, if not better than the ones you have back home for literally a quarter of the price. Uh, no, the people in Britain do that, right? They fly here from London for like a 10, it's like a $10 flight and just party their balls for a weekend. If it, we don't have anywhere in the States that we can do that, right? We can kind of do that in Mexico. We don't really do that anymore, um, but no, because so Ryanair and these other low-cost carriers, if you book way far in advance and you don't have any carry-on luggage and if you just follow all the rules and you like book ahead and everything, uh, it's as low as 10 pounds, which is actually close to $20, but it's like a $20 flight. They can go from London Heathrow to Krakow, Poland, 
and just spend the whole weekend drinking, partying, eating, and it costs less money than if they just went out one night yeah, in London. Yeah, yeah. The, the same for Sweden, I think. Uh, when I go back to the States, I'm going to fly through Stockholm. It's an $11 flight from Warsaw to Stockholm, and I'm, I'm assuming it's the same price to get here from there, too. Yeah, so it's I, I, the more I do this location independent thing, the harder it is for me to justify going back to the U.S. And it's not even about the money anymore because right now I could afford to go out and eat in L.A. and New York, but it's like it's a value thing where it just I just feel stupid doing it. Yeah, I think the saying of the of the week so far has been the value proposition is very high in Poland, where you get so much for your dollar. Yeah, and and the people are so nice here. Like, I think that one of the reasons why guys love dating Polish girls or guys get stuck here, I, I think a lot of the expats, are they're just guys that were traveling through and they, they just ended up marrying a girl here or dating a girl here. It's So here's a, here's the difference between dating a girl in the US or, you know, in a lot of places versus Poland is girls here are, they're just very nice and they're, they'll tell you if they like you or if they don't like you. And it sounds like such a ridiculous thing but this is, I think this is what every guy's like dream is, is not to be able to be the best pickup artist in the world or, um, you know, have all this game. It's like you, you can go to a bar and you can go up to a really beautiful girl and offer to buy her a drink. You can say, hi, you know, would you like, you know, can I buy you a drink? And if she's not interested in you or she has a boyfriend, she'll just very politely decline. She'll just be like, oh, you know, thanks for the offer, but, you know. Uh, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Or I have a boyfriend. And then she genuinely means she's not interested. She's not playing a game with you. And if she accepts the drink, that means that she is at least somewhat interested in you. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean she's gonna date you. She's gonna go home with you. But that just means like, oh yeah, I find you attractive. Let's have a drink. One of the few places on the planet where that saying of "be yourself" will actually probably work out here. No, a hundred percent will work out. Like literally, my my advice for any single guy here is literally just be yourself. Like. You know, just be a normal person. You know, don't, you know, use any crazy pickup lines. Don't try to run a game. You know, yeah, like don't wear any crazy clothes. Just be like the best version of yourself as possible. And if you meet somebody and you go on a date, just like be yourself and like really just be honest, be yourself. And you can meet and, you know, and date an amazingly beautiful girl here. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. So these are like little things about Europe that we just don't have in the U.S. Like in the U.S., like people, everybody's playing games. Girls are playing games. Guys are playing games. You know, people are wasting thousands of dollars on drinks going on the weekends, getting bottle service just to impress each other. When all of that, like it really isn't very necessary. And like being here really proves that none of that is necessary. All of that is just this BS facade. And we were actually just talking, we were joking earlier. We walked by a place and we were like, I think one of the biggest jokes in the world is day clubs, which is a new thing in places like LA and Las Vegas, where they'll charge 40 plus dollars entrance to a day nightclub, I guess, which is really just a swimming pool. And once you get inside, people, all they're doing is spending, wasting tons of money on drinks, like $15 drinks or you know, $300 bottles. And they're just standing around flexing. And they're just they're just standing around. I don't even know what are they doing? Um steroids and tanning? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Before we start traveling, these were the kind of the options. You know, especially growing up in Southern California. Our options were either, you know, be 
single or you know be be alone and just stay home and play video games or participate in this like this madness i think that's what i would call it and i think you know now that we have these other options where we can travel to other places in the world it's like uh, we, we have so many more options and we don't have to settle for what our hometown you know, and LA is a great place. You know, it's beautiful, great weather. There's lots to do, but they still give us these societal rules that we either have to play, you know, we have to play by. And what's awesome about being able to travel is we don't have to play by the rules anymore. We can go find a place that that suits us. So with that, I wanted to give you guys some travel tips. First off, SIM cards. So if you are from a place like the U.S., you can get a international sim card that works wherever you go and the reason why this is so valuable if you're gonna stay in a place like poland for a few months at a time or even a few weeks just get a local sim card it's always gonna be cheaper you can get nine gigs here for for five dollars ridiculous you know even in places like berlin where it's you know 10 times more expensive it's still cheaper just to get a local sim card there if you're gonna stay for a few months or you're gonna stay for a month but if you're going to be traveling around to a lot of different countries, so you're you know, going somewhere for two days and moving on, you, you're going to want to have international data. Uh, for example, I'm going on a cruise next month with my parents, and we are going to f- five different countries in, you know, in 12 days. I'm going to be on a cruise ship. And right when I get off the cruise ship, I'm going to, I want to be able to have internet so I can call an Uber or I can find um, you know, something to do. And it just it's not it's just not the the best move to be able to you know get off a cruise ship and then have to go get a sim card for you know just use for six hours so i've been looking at different options so chris uses t-mobile which gives international roaming the only downside with t-mobile is plans start at around 50 bucks a month and you have to have you know u.s plans so if you're if you're living primarily in the u.s even though t-mobile ironically doesn't work very well in the u.s <laughs> Is great for if you know if you travel pretty often. Uh, so it starts at fifty bucks a month, for two gigs, but lets you have basic data internationally. Unfortunately, it's really slow. It's like two G speeds, so not fast enough to really upload photos or anything. But you can just you know check Google, check Maps, call an Uber. Uh, Chris did a hack where he actually com- called in and completed to Mobile saying, you know, hey, your speeds suck, and they've upgraded him, so now he can get three G and is it sometimes four G? Speeds? It's supposed to be, but I don't get it. But you know, you can get faster speeds. Um, Google Fi is another option. So Google has their own cellular service now, and it's twenty bucks a month plus ten dollars per gig that you use. So if you're using, you know, one gig is thirty bucks. If you're using two gigs, it'd be forty bucks. And it's great because you're allowed to use it anywhere in the world so you can have this data wherever wherever you are in the world so if you are kind of based in the u.s and you're there for more than half a year i would either get a t-mobile or a google fi account now if you live overseas most of the year like i do get the at&t go phone because what that allows you to do is allows you to keep your phone number so whenever you go back to the u.s you can just reactivate it right away and the trick to do that is you switch to the two dollar a day plan which only kicks in on the days that you actually use it. So if you're gone for nine months and you don't use it in those nine months, you don't pay anything. And the only, the only you know, I guess, catch is you have to have a, a certain balance in your account. So if you put $100 in, you get another year uh, of activation. So AT&T Go is what I personally use because I'm hardly ever in the US anymore and I just want to keep my number. 
But because of that, because I'm on a go, you know, a prepaid plan, I don't get international data roaming like T-Mobile, Google Fi. So I've been looking for a solution and I wasted $60 buying a KeepGo uh, SIM because that was the best option that popped up in Google. Uh, it's $60 for the SIM card, including one gigabyte, which is extremely expensive, and $50 to top up every single gig. For me, it was just for the cruise, it was actually still the better option than getting a you know, a contract phone um, because because there are no other options. It's, it's insane that there's no EU-wide SIM plan. Uh, all of them, you know, it's it just, especially for the, the pay-as-you-go, it's one per country. But uh, I should have checked on my Facebook through my network. Uh, shout out to Dave Brett. He recommended the MTX Connect, which is actually only five euros, and you can pay 30 euros a month, which is about $33, to get one gig uh, so still expensive if you're going to use it, you know, as your primary SIM. But if you're just traveling around to a lot of different countries and you need a EU-wide SIM card, the MTX Connect seems to be the best option. If you guys know of another one, please leave a message in the comments and, and let us know. Uh, but in general, if you are going to be in a place for, I would say, even a week or longer, just get a local SIM card. Uh, in Thailand, for 400 baht, which is about $12, you can get 4 gigs. Uh, in Portugal, you can get about five gigs for ten dollars. Uh, and you know, Poland's by far the cheapest place. Even Berlin, where everything's more expensive, for no real reason, it's it's still a cheaper option than than using one of these EU-wide SIM cards. The other big tip I want to give everyone is how to withdraw money or exchange money when you are traveling. For me, uh, as as and you know, and when I, I I always speak as an American because this is my personal experience. I don't want anyone thinking like, oh, well, this stuff doesn't work in my country because here's the thing is if you haven't looked yourself, how do you know? So before you, you know, you guys comment or say, oh, you know, we don't have these things in, you know, in the UK or Australia or wherever you're from, you know, really just take the time to look, ask your network, you know, search around before you kind of decide, you know, these are only for, for Americans or there's no alternative option. But for Americans, if you are traveling at all, get yourself a Charles Schaub account. So Charles Schaub is an online bank. It's free to have a checking account with them. And what's great is with their ATM card, you can refund, they will refund you all ATM feeds internationally. So you can go to a bank in here in Poland or in Germany, and they might charge a $5 fee to withdraw. You get all of that back then in the month. So it's completely free. The only catch is they don't want to just lose money for no reason. I mean, this is one of those things where I think a lot of people have this entitlement mentality where just because that's the policy of a company that, you know, they want to just take advantage of the system, they're going to they're going to close your account after a few months, usually about 6 months if you just abuse it. So if you're just traveling and you're withdrawing, you know, 40 bucks at a time and you're cost costing them $5 every time you do that, and you have a very low balance and you don't, you know, you don't do anything else with the account, they're gonna send you a letter saying, hey, sorry, we have to close your account. You know, you're not, a, you know, they're not gonna say because you're a crappy customer, but that's what they mean. So the ways around that are gonna be either, you know, make sure you are back in the US every six months or so, or buy something online with that card to make it look like you're back in the US every couple months. Second is because your account is connected to a, you know, a trading account, if you also buy some stocks through them, 
Uh, for example, when I bought my Facebook stocks, I bought it through them and that way I have a balance in there. That way they're not gonna close my account because if they close my checking account, account I might also you know, close my, my stocks account. So I'm adding value to them in, in that aspect where you know, I'm also a customer of theirs. And even even though even you know though I have a high balance in there in both cash as well as with my stocks, I don't want to I don't abuse the system. So every time I withdraw money, even though it doesn't cost me any money, I know it costs them money. So I don't want to rip them off by pulling out fifty bucks or even hundred bucks. I always try to pull out the maximum amount, which is usually two hundred or three hundred euros. And that way, I pull it out less often. I'm costing them less money. And if they manually review my my account or maybe they're their algorithm to do so, they're gonna look at it and be like, okay, this guy is not, you know, wasting money. You know, he's pulling out the maximum amount he can. Uh, yeah, it costs, it ends up costing us hundreds of dollars a year, but he seems like a good customer, so we're gonna keep him on. So I've now had my shop account for, you know, four or five years now, and I've never had a problem with them, even though I've, I've met pl- plenty of people who have had theirs cut out. So make sure you get a shop account. And the last bit of kind of travel tip I want to give everyone is if you have a PayPal account and you're using it overseas, you will get flagged and PayPal will probably freeze your account. I would say the chances of them doing so are close to 100%. It just depends on if they do it right away or if they do it over six months or a year. They will eventually pause your account and say, hey, we noticed that there's you know irregular activity or suspicious activity, either because you're logging in from different countries or if you start running a business and you start becoming successful with it, they're gonna pause your account saying, Hey, it looks like you know there's unusual activity. You know, you're starting to make you know you're starting to send a lot of money in and out of it. This is especially true for people with like a dropshipping store where you're taking payments often uh, through PayPal and you're having thousands of dollars transfer in and out. So the way to get around this is not to use a VPN because PayPal will flag you because they see that you're on a VPN. The way around it is to make sure all of your information is up to date. So make sure your phone number is up to date. And it's something that they can actually reach you at. So make sure it's not your home phone number or your cell phone that's not being forwarded back home in the US or the Canada. Because if they want to verify, they can't call you on the number you have on file. Make sure all of your IDs are uh, on, fi- on file, your mailing address, your security questions. Because basically the way around this is to wait until they do freeze your account and then just be able to provide all the answers. And that's really the solution. You know, they might start holding a little bit of the cash, but at the same time, I think the reason why people really get locked out for long periods of time or three months, six months, is because they cannot provide the security uh, check. Uh, so for me, you know, it, fortunately I had everything up to date. So when they when they called me on my other, you know, my, my phone number I had file, it was being forwarded to my phone, even though I was traveling in Thailand and I was able to get that. So those are the tips. If you guys enjoyed these, please let me know in in the show notes, this is episode 123 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast, uh, or comment on Facebook. Uh, look for Johnny FD on Facebook. And if you have any questions for Chris, feel free to ask inside the, the Facebook uh, comments as well or on this episode, and we'll try to get that to you. If you enjoyed it, uh, let me know if you have any other questions. I'm happy to, to answer them. And hope to see all of you guys out either in Europe summer or back in Chiang Mai. Peace out. By the way, I want to give a quick shout out to every single one who left a review on the iTunes store worldwide. Uh, I know that we don't often have time to, to go and you know shout out everyone individually, but I really, really appreciate it. Everyone who has taken the time to share this podcast with your friends uh, or to leave a review on the iTunes store, no matter where you're from. So big shout out to people like 
Miklesen one one no sorry one nine nine three from Norway. Entertaining and valuable. Thanks to this podcast, I'm now much better equipped and motivated to succeed in e-commerce and dropshipping. This is worth your time. Trust me. Live large in Japan, the go-to podcast for nomads. I think I'm listening to every single podcast or close to it. Love the podcast. Keep them coming. Uh, BB Star ninety nine from Canada says, "Awesome! I've been listening to all these podcasts. They're really awesome. I learn a lot. I'm listening to these podcasts daily." And John Eternal from the USA, real talk business advice. Thank you, Johnny, for creating guests with applicable advice every week. Your casual conversation approach, real advice that you receive from a successful friend or mentor. Keep it up. This has been invaluable for us on the other side of the world. So keep listening every single week. Keep subscribed. Thanks again for the reviews, and we'll try to give you guys uh, more of a shout out um, in the weeks coming. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus "How to Choose the Perfect Niche" episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week, and remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.